Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is when you're better off skipping a difficult conversation. We're also going to be having our chat with Christine a bit later on and we'll be talking about part two of the future of artificial intelligence. But right now, we're going to have a chat with... Chartered Accountant Tony Vidray, and we're going to talk about some of those actions that the ATO is taking on small business. Good afternoon, Tony. Hi, Gillian. How are you? Um, thank you. I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? I'm going well. That's going good. well. A little bit worried about the ATO uh, on the uh, on the warpath, so mm. we'll have a chat about that. Yeah, well, when I looked at that when you gave me the, those three questions. The first one is uh, they're finding billions of unpaid tax by small business. <laughs> This is really intriguing. So that um, the tax office have been doing these calculations, which which has been criticised. Uh, let me say that for the, from the outset of um, what's called the small the uh, the tax gap. So it's the difference between what they think um, people should be paying versus what they are actually paying. Now, there was one they did. The first one they did was the individual tax returns, where they um, calculated that there was a tax gap of eight point seven billion dollars that's a huge amount so so of course you know people were accused of over claiming things all sorts of things then they worked out the small business tax gap which was astounding at 11.1 billion so again that's the difference between what they think small business should be paying versus what they pay the bit that really floored me is when they did it at the the big end of town the corporate tax gap it came in at 1.8 billion so the small um, business gap is almost four times larger than the, than the than big business. Now, when you look at the numbers, there's about 800,000 in round terms small businesses um, in Australia, um, and there's about 70,000 large ones. So they're saying that the big guys are paying what the ATO, <clears throat> pardon me, expect them to pay. Probably not what the uh, the public expect them to pay, but what yeah, the yeah. ATO expect them to pay. So they're, they're very concerned, and as a result of that, they, they opened up a hotline, um, the Black Economy Hotline, because mm-hmm. the one thing with small businesses that you can almost rely on is this concept of cash. And uh, you might remember the famous line in the castle, which I won't repeat, but it had something to do with, <laughs> with, uh, with paying um, in cash. And there is this perception that you get a discount if you pay um, for cash, and so they're quite concerned with that. So they opened up... A, uh, a black economy hotline, well, it absolutely rang off the hook. 15,000 tip-offs in the first three months that they launched it, all right? Mm. So a lot of them were uh, people getting um, upset that uh, businesses were uh, paying in cash. A lot of them were um, not um, declaring income. A lot of them were unpaid super, but there was also a lot of uh, uh, complaints that staff were being paid in cash as well. So mm. it's extraordinary. 15, it's about 230 tip-offs per day. Jeez. Right? So, so, so the tax office think that these, all these billions of dollars they've worked out is from the cash economy? or is it, Correct. Or is it a, a, a combination of the cash economy and people over-claiming things? Well, it's, it's, it's mostly the cash economy. There, there okay. could be some things with over-claiming, but, but, you know, small businesses, I think, well, I think most of it is to do with the um, the cash economy, um, not declaring income, demanding cash from customers, which I find quite intriguing, mm, mm. Um, or yeah, paying workers cash in hand, 
and lifestyle is not matching a person's um, income level. The one, the one that has always irritated me is demanding cash from customers, and the one that, um, and we've all been there. We've been at a you know restaurant or something like that where they say um, no credit cards. Now, to me, that that is just. Well, to me, that rings alarm bells. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're only if you're only accepting um, cash, cash um, you're going to put a massive target on your back. So, so that that um, that hotline has rung um, rung off, off the hook. Now, if you want to make a, there's a, there's actually a tip off form. I actually had a look at it this morning. So, if you want to head to the if anyone listening wants to to, to actually use this service, head off to the ATO website and Google um, tip off form. And it's an interactive form. You don't have to put your details. There are some compulsory fields that they do want you to fill in, um, but it can be anonymous. So um, it's very, very interesting. And there's also a Black Economy um, hotline. It's an 1800 number if you want that. 1800-060-062, if you want to um, repeat that a little bit later. 1800-060-062. But what they're also doing, Julian, they're, they're also... Um, uh, going back to the old days of the 70s and 80s and actually getting out of the offices and visiting um, small businesses. So I won't read out all the suburbs, but um, there's, a, there's a few that um, of country, particularly country areas, they're actually staying away from the main cities. Mm. Um, a lot of, uh, well, I will, I'll give you some of them, Geelong, Wollongong, Launceston, um, Catherine, Darwin and Alice Springs. That's where they, they first started. And they are, what they're trying to do is they're trying to educate. So it's essentially mm -hmm. a knock on the door, have a bit of a chat, um, they, the, the federal budget actually allocated an extra $318 million to this particular um, section of the tax office, yeah, to create this strike force um, to actually start visiting, you know, small business. So mm. um, I, I think there's what needs to happen here. I get look, a little bit irritated because I, I remember many years ago I was actually at a client's premises when they just had a spot audit and it was the Office of State Revenue, as they call themselves back then, and they wanted to do a spot payroll tax audit. And I just looked, looked at them, almost laughed, and said, look, I think you need to make an appointment and, and tee up a um, you know, time to actually speak mm. to the owner. So, so you don't want situations where they're walking into a cafe at um, yeah. 1 o'clock, 1 p.m., yeah. and say, can we have a so, look at your wages so, record? So you've got the list there of uh, suburbs. Is it likely that they're going to be targeting potential cash businesses in those suburbs? Is that... Absolutely. Yep, yeah. absolutely. They're, they're visiting small... They, look, they're saying small businesses, but they're, they're trying to send a strong message for businesses that operate in the black economy. Yeah. All right? Yeah. So there's, there's, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's kind of a, you know, guilt by association. So if you're, if you're one that um, takes... A, and it's like builders as well, um, cafes, anything that where they accept cash, they have a very, very... Um, well, they've got data now to say that the um, the tax gap is over eleven billion dollars. So yeah. they do want to make sure that um, that the um, these businesses are declaring income. They do have a lot of benchmarks that they use. So, and I'll use the cafes as an example. They'll look at a cafe's gross profit. So, if you're lodging um, tax returns for a cafe where you might be showing a forty percent gross profit on your food, cafes should be up around the fifty-five, sixty percent mark. So straight away they will know that something is going wrong and the accusation will be, well, you're not declaring all of your um, all of your income. Or sometimes so, so they, they, just, they just don't know how to do their bookkeeping. Or they don't know how to do their bookkeeping. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the trouble is it's very hard, and I did have one many years ago, it's very hard to disprove, you know, the, the onus of proof is always on mm. the on the taxpayer. If they come on and say, no, we think your turnover should be a lot higher... Um, we did an, uh, an interesting one with a hairdresser years ago where, and it was, um, it was a lot of years ago um, now, intriguing, very 
in the early days where they actually had looked at the bank statements. They actually had um, accessed all the bank statements and they said, um, we think that you're under-declaring um, cash. But we were able to prove to the tax office that this particular hairdresser had a very young clientele and the young clientele used EPCOS. They, yeah. they tapped and got... And the income actually... We, we actually gave them a sample of a couple of weeks or a month or so. I can't quite remember the details, but we gave them the, the appointment book and actually traced the appointment book to the bankings yeah. and said, look, this is, this is how they're all paying. These are the ratios. And this, this particular hairdresser's ratio was very unusual in the early days because a lot of people were um, paying with, okay. um, with, the, with, with the tap and go. Now, they're yeah. actually... Paying, they're paying with with Epos, so the accusation was that she wasn't banking um, enough cash. So yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, I know my son doesn't use cash. All he uses is tap and go everywhere. Well, look, I for one am getting very, very sick and tired of Big Brother. And every time that I buy something online, I get you know thousand emails and, and bombarded with, uh, <laughs> with with all of the marketing because of the. the I'm going back to paying cash. I'm, I'm sick of <laughs> I'm sick of leaving this digital footprint where every time I use my credit card, I'm getting marketed to. So I think I'm going to go back to the old days and, and pay cash and be anonymous with with all my purchases. I'm getting a bit getting a bit tired of it all. Well, thank you for your support this uh, year and you have a great Christmas and we'll have a chat Absolutely. with you in February. Look forward to next year. Thanks, Gillian, and, and thanks to, uh, to you. Yeah, good luck to your, your program. It's a very, very high-quality program. Been uh, very proud of being associated with it. Thank you. Have a good, have thanks, a good week. Bye. Cheers. Tony Vidray there with, uh, yeah, uh, if you're in the cash economy, you better beware. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's 24 minutes past one. Time to have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm glad you're here this time. And Well, you're not here. You're over in West Australia. Yeah, I am indeed. I so, am. So, so we, we're going to talk about uh, part two of the uh, future of artificial intelligence that we were talking about last week. Yeah, we are. So there's there's a lot of talk at the moment around. So Google's working on DeepMind, and um, DeepMind in AI is where we actually don't need humans to input um, algorithms. So we're not relying on predefined behavioural algorithms from humans, and we're trying to get away from the bias in algorithms, which some people actually believe will take like quite some time and thousands and thousands of inputs before we actually get away from what a human bias is. Um, but because human nature being what it is, we've used technology to improve life and to make things better for ourselves, you know, ever since, the, the you know, for the last mm. hundred years, and mm. that's, that's speeding up. So some of the some of the deeper uses of um, artificial intelligence, and, and artificial intelligence is where we're feeding information, you know, into, into, um, into computers and into systems so that they can, they can feed us back with information. And there's this remarkable um, application, and it's called Chef Watson. Uh, and what it is, is you can actually feed into, um, you can dial what your ingredients are in your fridge or in your house, and it will spit at you a, a variety of different recipes that you can concoct just with using the ingredients that you've already got. So instead of having to go to a recipe book, you feed in the ingredients, so it's almost a reverse situation. Wow. What that does for food wastage um, is going to be quite incredible as well. So instead mm. of continually buying new ingredients, we can go to the fridge, or the you know our so pantry put in what we've got yeah and and you know an applicable recipe will come up in medic in medicine there's um, a company in in China called InfoVision and they're using deep learning and image recognition technology so they're pumping in everything that they know um, around lung cancer because what they're trying to do is diagnose early signs of lung cancer because what we know is that the earlier you detect a cancer the better chance you have 
um, of, you know, remission, total cure, etc. So they're working on, on systems where they can pump as much information into, into um, the computers as possible and be able to do very early recognition. Mm-hmm. Digital twinning, I think we've mentioned that a couple yeah, of times yeah. on the show. So digital twinning is another... Um, another method or another system where we're using um, as much information as we can to create a digital twin so that we can prototype things faster, so that we can have a look at transport systems, for example, around um, organisations. I know that, you know, Deloitte are doing quite a lot in, in this space with trying to map systems out in transport areas. They're doing it with flying, they're doing it with on-ground transport. So it's quite a remarkable thing and the ease that that's going to do and make our lives easier and, and map, you know, high high traffic areas and how we can alleviate problems and congestion. Um, robotics, mm. so there's a, you know, I think we've mentioned before also Sophia the robot. Yeah. So, um, you know, Sophia is a, is a, they're building humanoid robots with artificial intelligence for commercial and consumer markets. And I know that Sophia has actually hosted, she's been the MC um, at a couple of events. So what wow. that does with the, with the socially advanced, you know, learning robots, um, and then we can efficiently communicate natural language, facial expressions. She conveys human-like emotions, and they're working on this, you know, constantly. So that, and and there's people that say, well, why are we doing this? Why are we creating? Um, uh, why are we creating these robots in our own image? But if you think about what they can do to alleviate aged care facilities, you know, mm. aged care loneliness, and and this is going to become an increasingly important aspect of life as as generations get, you know, as as oh. we increase lifespan. But also, as the population, you know, I think it's in 2030, most of our population is, is expected to be over 65 um, years of age. Mm. What that's going to do, um, you know, in aged care facilities, nursing homes, doctors, hopefully with longevity, what we're going to do is increase the healthy aspect of life as well. And they're using um, artificial intelligent information to, to create longevity as well. So many, many applications of artificial intelligence that go deeper than, you know, than just... That being able to tell us which film to watch on Netflix. Are we going to put uh, radio show hosts off out of work? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> I hope I, because at the end of the day, we are social beings and we oh, still enjoy right. that social interaction. Yeah, and we still, you know, we still need face-to-face communication. Contact. We still we need, do. yeah, we still need skin-to-skin contact. And I yeah. found out last night that with with Siri, which is one of our artificial intelligence. Um, yep. If there's a song playing on the radio and you want to know what song it is, you just uh, switch Siri on and Siri will tell you who, what the song is and who's singing it. And, and see, that's, that's the artificial intelligent yeah. information that's been pumping into, pumping into Apple Music, you exactly. know. So exactly. the more songs that go in there, the, you know, the easier it is to be able to spit back at us what the song is. Yeah, great. Well, thanks very much for your time. Enjoy West Australia and we'll uh, talk to you Thank again you. next week. Okay, look forward to it, Julian. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Christina there with some of those advances in artificial intelligence. Yes, positive and negative, isn't it? But uh, I think the positive probably outweighs the negative. And you're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 28 minutes to 2. Just before we look at our Harvard Business Review tip, though, I've got a little uh, email here from one of our listeners. Remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about those scams that key that we get, keep getting caught with. Well, this particular email says, I had a call last night, which was a recorded voice saying, we have been trying to contact you regarding your telephone line. It will be disconnected in 24 hours as the NBN service is now available to your area. Please press one and discuss this and arrange for your NBN to be connected. 
She says, I pressed one and was told by a human with an accent and not a recording that it was not my phone line but my internet connection and there is a virus in my connection. As soon as I heard that, I hung up. And she wanted to tell us this call was very, very convincing, so please be aware. So thank you, Trish, for sending that email in to us. And our Harvard Business Review tip is when you're better off skipping a difficult conversation. Every leader needs to give negative feedback to their employees, but not every conversation needs to happen immediately or at all. To determine whether you can avoid the conversation, ask yourself a few questions. If I have this conversation, what will I realistically achieve? Do I tend to look for problems in this individual? How committed am I at being right? Is there a reasonable solution that I can offer? What is my role in this situation? If your answers indicate that the situation would likely be, be resolved on its own, that your intervening is not necessary, that you're more focused on being right than listening or that it isn't the right time to bring up the issue, then don't schedule the meeting. By choosing which conversations not to have, you're making sure the messages you do communicate are delivered for the right reasons and generate the desired results. So it's an interesting point, isn't it? We have to have those difficult conversations sometimes. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Just to be aware, if you're in the cash economy, that uh, the ATO is looking at uh, small businesses in that area. And there is that hotline if you want to dob anyone in on uh, the cash economy. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit employment law with Gavin Hanrahan from Turnbull Hill Lawyers. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Henry Ford once said, a business absolutely devoted to service will have only one worry about profits. They will be embarrassingly large. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>